Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Benton Standings with us as he is every Monday and Friday. Joined us Wednesday this week. Uh, he'll probably join us on Wednesday of next week as well. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, but we were just talking about movies. When you were out in L.A. and you were you know, looking for things to do, have you seen any movies recently? I know it's football season. It's tough. But have you seen any movies recently? Um, I don't feel like I have. I don't. I'm blanking on. I, I watched um that three quarters of Barbie on the plane out because I didn't see it in the theater. Um, the fact that I didn't get to the last quarter probably says what I was thinking about it. Um, but no, I, I don't think I've seen anything like I haven't seen okay. anything of like Oscar contenders or anything. I, and I, well, we've got I we've got l- two recommendations. The the holdovers yeah. with Paul Giamatti and the Iron Claw is Denton's recommendation. But I had I've got several people tweeting me saying that they love the holdovers as well, and they're giving me um, and I pulled up his IMDb or IMBD or whatever it is. So Paul Giamatti, I I thought Sideways was maybe his real first big movie. Did you see Sideways? Yes. You, did you like Sideways? Yeah, it was good. Um, I, I think I only saw the one time, but like, yeah, I remember like it was weird because seeing Paul Giamatti as like the lead in like a romantic uh, type story was uh, was curious. But yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, so the director that did Sideways did the holdovers and it has a minute. But um, so he's, I, I do not remember him in Donnie Brasco, but he was in Donnie Brasco. I do remember him in Private Parts, the movie about Stern playing pig vomit, pig vomit. You know the. WNBC program director. He was also in Saving Private Ryan. I do remember that. And I definitely remember, and he was very funny in The Negotiator, that movie with Samuel uh, L. Jackson and Kevin Spacey, which came out during that period of time. But he wasn't the lead in any of those. I think Sideways was his first big lead role, um, or co-lead role with Thomas Hayden Church in that particular movie. But he... He is, um, I was looking during the break to see what the reviews of this movie were, which I reviewed as a five out of five and gave him a chance to win the Oscar for, for best actor. And apparently he's up for all of these art critic, you know, awards for the performance. It was great. Great movie. All right. Um, do you think, do you think, uh, kids of today, like Denton's age or whatever, know that he's the son of the former commissioner of major league baseball? I don't think they know that. Did you know that, Denton? I did know that, but I would say that most people my age did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, old Bart Giamatti, who dropped dead. Exactly. Bart Giamatti dropped dead at a fairly young age, right? Ooh, I don't remember the. I don't remember that. Um, but maybe. I, I, I don't know. But uh, 
But but yeah, no, no, just like it was fifty-one wild, but, years but, old. He he. I think he died of a uh, massive heart attack at fifty-one years old. He was fifty-one. Right. I, I thought he may have been even a little bit older than that. Um, oh, I thought he was much older than that, based on like what I was seeing when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, I thought he was definitely older than that. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so. Um, I guess it's easy to know where we start this week, and that is Brissett uh, is going to be the starting quarterback. When we talked on Wednesday, um, we uh, you know we we knew that it was coming, but just give me your overall reactions to the benching of uh, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett getting a start here, at least against the 49ers. Yeah, you know, look if. They, the, the coaches, you know, people in the building know more that's going on in terms of, you know, Sam Howell's psyche, you know, you know, what, what the play call was and what he, you know, isn't getting done out there. So they have a feel, a better feel for how big the drop off is. And considering the opponent and considering how poor Sam Howell was last week and, you know, how it's been struggling the last few weeks, like I, I understand it, but, you know, <laughs> I go back to, you know, a few weeks back when it was that stretch of time when almost no matter what the question was, Rivera was spinning an answer towards the seasons about the promising young quarterback right. to the point where I even asked him at one point, well, if you keep saying it's about the promising young quarterback, does that mean you're going to commit to him for the rest of the year? To which he said, well, I don't know. We'll have to see. Who knows? And, and here we are. And, you know, look, we, we've seen a lot of Sam Howe. There's plenty of tape and there's plenty of information at this point for whoever's making decisions going forward to, to have, you know, a good feel for it. But, you know, I, it, it seems like one of the things you want to get a feel for is can the kid get at, you know, crawl his way out of the hole he's in right now. Can he get, you know, can he get better? And then maybe, maybe he, what's happened the last few weeks is an indication that he hasn't, but I don't know. I, 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 I feel like it would just be for, for the sake of everybody, the organization, I would, probably stay with him but you know at this point i i get it it's it's i you know it's just another uh, you know it does seem like a sort of like a, a perfect encapsulation of how things have gone here the last four years another quarterback change um another you know talked up plan that's kind of uh run out of steam at the end so i i you know it i don't know i think i, I think i've lost steam even like getting up getting worked up over it but uh, yeah. um you know it's like, you know, I think we talked about this on yesterday's show, Denton, briefly. Um, it's like almost like it's happened so quickly. It's like we haven't taken a step back to say, how did we get here? I mean, it was just a month, five weeks ago. We, we, we did a poll on Sam Howell in 2024 or quarterback in the draft, and it was 90% Sam Howell, 5,000 votes or whatever it was. I mean, it was ridiculous. And then here we are, and they don't – see, one of the things that I, I, I said, Ben, to me, overall, this is, is very telling after all we've heard from this perspective. This was always about the unknown, the guy with maybe a ceiling because we know what the ceiling is for Jacoby Brissett, so we're going to find out about this ceiling. And then as the season was going on, they were giving – he was giving them enough – to think that maybe he does have a ceiling because it was unknown to them before the season started as well, as you know. Um, And then all of a sudden, over a four-week stretch, four- to five-game stretch, he's benched, which tells me that 
the ceiling that they were hoping to see isn't anywhere near as high as they were hoping it would be. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, the, the, you know, I'm, I definitely remember saying on here and writing and elsewhere that like you watch, you put together some of the compilation of some of the throws he was making this season. That 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 touchdown throw to Terry McLaurin at Denver, um, you know, always comes to mind. Like he had some really really good throws, and like the you know the arm strength was there, the willingness to it, you know, he wasn't afraid. Obviously, he was showing the toughness. There was a lot to like and now the question is okay we see there's a pretty good floor now what now what now where can these things go and yeah i mean it's just gotten you know it's just sort of spiraled the last few weeks i mean that's kind of felt like the team in general like i can't i still get hard to believe that we're talking about a team now that has got the third pick of the draft i mean that is you know that <laughs> you know it, it was became clear they weren't a playoff team at some point but it was different than having a uh, a top three pick, and uh, yeah, things have really just gone sideways. I I do wonder how much all the hits took a toll on him because it did kind of feel the last two weeks, you know, the Rams and the Jets, you know, were getting pressure, but it wasn't like he was getting no touched to the degree that he was earlier in the year. He was yet, bailing too early to get hit. Right, right. That's what I'm saying like it felt like he was abandoning the pocket or on the move, especially in the last game. Um, you know more, and it, and even Rivera the other day made some comment to the effect of that. You know, maybe he's like you not know, seeing things out there that aren't there. So, you know, that, I mean, that was one of the things we were all talking about early on about you know the David Carr comparisons, which is never you never want to feel that. So, you know, who knows? We'll see how Sam rebounds, even if it's not this year. I mean, presumably he's on the the roster one way or the other next year. I guess he could get traded or whatever. But like. um you know, so we'll see where he's at, but uh, yeah, it, it, it is it is wild how things have just deteriorated uh, so much here. So you said something that I had on my list of questions because I, I I talked about them perhaps now not believing that the ceiling's very high, but all along, you know, uh, especially during some of those good moments, one of the things that we all decided on, and I feel the same, I feel like I did as well, and and that was look. This guy's going to be in the league, you know. He's he's a solid high-end backup. He's got, you know, the floor is very high for him. I mean, that's that's the good news here. We've learned that. We don't know, you know, I think people like us said I'm not sure what his ceiling is. Um, but the floor is high. I think we've learned over the last 4 to 5 weeks. The floor is actually low and maybe very low. Do you agree with that or not? Um, well, I mean, you know, he's based on just the last four to five weeks. I mean, it's definitely not a guy that you would feel great about putting in, you know, in those, in the ways you have to use backup sometimes, you know, in, in quick relief, a spot start for a couple games. You know, I don't feel as good about it as you would have earlier for sure. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, I think the question is what ultimately has led to this, um, this drop off, uh, you know, again, is it, is it his, you know, is it mental that he's, you know, feeling pressure that's not there and, and, and bailing out. I mean, I also think there's a question of, you know, his, his pre-snap reads, you know, one thing, you know, in this experiment, we didn't have the control part of the experiment, which is Jacoby Brissett before. Right. So now he, Jacoby Brissett comes in and, you know, Brissett, obviously we already know what he is spot starter, high end backup, you know, 
10 play and, and you can feel pretty good about it for a few games at least. Um, and he knows what to do. So he gets to the line of scrimmage. He sees what the defense is giving him. You heard uh, the, some of the Jets players the other day say that, you know, you could tell the percent was just kind of taking what the defense was giving him and things like that. Um, so now seeing that comparison, you're like, oh, okay. So now it's a little, it puts, I think, a little more shine on what Sam Howell's problems are. You know, again, he's 23, first year as a starter. Um, you know, I think there's enough here to say I'm I'm intrigued about him staying on my roster in some capacity for sure. Um, and I don't want to go from we were, you know, saying a few weeks ago, yeah, he's done enough to be to feel like he could be the QB one at the start of next year to, well, I don't know. I don't know what he can do, um, but yeah, it, it's been it's been uh, uh, distressing, maybe too hard, but it's been concerning. Uh, w- you know the way things have fallen and again. That's kind of why I'd like to see it play out. I mean, a new somebody with new eyes coming in who didn't draft Sam Howell has no ties might just be like, eh, you know, we're good. We'll we'll draft the quarterback at three or whatever we'll do. We're not going to worry about him. But you know, I I, I kind of would like to see him finish it out just to see what he can do, unless they just absolutely think he's just fried right now and needs, needs off the field. Yeah, I mean, part of that is understandable. It's just also, it's it's troubling because if he's gotten to the point where he is that broken right now, you know, and, and so much was riding on him and so much was talked about, but they had to bail from this because he's so fragile right now, that's not a great sign either. I, I think you were listening yesterday because you texted me, I think, during um, this segment. But you do know what perhaps lies ahead next week if Dallas loses to Detroit on Saturday night. The possibility they're going to play a Dallas team that's resting starters in the season finale. And so I suggested yesterday on the show that this would be a moment I would absolutely advocate that Josh Harris get involved and you know tell Ron Rivera he wants to see a lot of practice squad guys um you know on on tape for the for 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 for, for perhaps a new regime to look at including Jake Fromm because you cannot win one of these two games and next week if Dallas plays uh play rest their starters they're going to have a chance to win that game. By the way, with Hal, with Brissett or Hal, and you got to do your best to get all, uh, everybody up from the practice squad to see those players. Right. What I think, think I texted you. I think I texted you that the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, had, I had already said that. I I had already said yeah. Howie Roseman made sure that Nate Sudfeld came into a game that looked winnable for Philadelphia and would have cost them four to five draft slots. And so yeah. this would be okay from my standpoint if Josh Harris, you know, suggested strongly to Ron Rivera that they see a bunch of players, including Jake Fromm, for the final if the Cowboys have nothing to play for. What do you say? Oh, I mean, a million percent. Like, look, I respect the fans out there who just desperately want their team to win no matter what, but you've got to look at the short-term game versus the long-term picture here i mean again this of course there's no guarantees that whatever draft pick they have that the player that they will potentially take or or a trade that they may move down none of that stuff will potentially work out we all understand that but this is about the opportunity cost and to to risk the opportunity of either being in position to draft as a quarterback in the future without having to give up other assets to move up 
or, you know, again, to use that pick to trade down to get a whole bunch of assets like the way the Bears did last year. Um, you, you cannot screw that up at this point, uh, especially when we're talking about a scenario where everything is about to get blown up. It's not just the pick. It's a whole start. You know, we're expecting a complete refresh of a coaching staff, the front office. Obviously, a lot of the roster will be different. You cannot blow this. And anybody who's just like, no, I just want my team to win. Again, I, I get it, but I would encourage you to look at the bigger picture because if you really want your team to win, then you want to give your team the best chance to succeed. And right now, that is getting the best assets you possibly can and moving forward, and that's why you can't blow it. So, yeah, to me, Jake Fromm would be starting, and no disrespect to Jake Fromm, but he obviously hasn't played. And, you know, uh, it would be the, clearly the, 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 the least good of the three quarterback options. And, you know, John Allen or, uh, you know, I don't know how far you can take it, but – you know, sit, let, let John Allen sit and let Fedarian Mathis start. Uh, you know, let yep. let Kendall Fuller take a seat, give Emmanuel Forbes all the reps. You know, I mean, I think these are things on some level that should be kind of done anyway. But in the in the name of um, the 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 pick, yes, a hundred percent. Well, you know, the good news is you do have an owner that understands this and understands yeah. the importance of this. The owner of the process in Philadelphia and all those games lost to acquire all of those high picks. I would imagine that they have thought about this scenario next week. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Ron Rivera, by his nature, is just not a guy that's going to think that way. And it's admirable in the sense of always, sure. you know, trying to figure out how to, you're going to win the next game. And the next, I, I get, I get all that, and, and that's all fine. Um, I think like two or three times in the last since this slide's gone, I've asked just generically, "Hey, uh, w- do you see a point where you're going to start playing some of your younger guys?" And you know, I just get back some sort of, you know, sure. Well, we'll see what the opportunity presents itself. At some point, you just have to make a determination. This is what we are doing. And look, I get it. I, the football players want to play, so I, I you know, yeah, we all understand say, that. I mean, yeah. those people out there that cringe with this talk, trust me. I understand, Ben understands, the players and the coaches, I wouldn't want my coach to be anything other than doing everything he can to win the game. Uh, This is an organizational decision. This is where next week, if you get, by the way, I would even suggest that if Dallas has something to play for, that they still go that route to ensure that you know, because they're not going to beat the Niners. I think we can all understand that. But they beat the Cowboys last year when the Cowboys theoretically had something to play for, um, even though it looked like the worst effort of the year from them. Um, I think they should go that route regardless uh, next week. Um, well, I mean, and hopefully know, okay, at a very ba- at a very basic level, like we talked about Jake Fromm, and I'm not going to go crazy here. Although I remember in training camp, like he looked pretty, you know, he was showing some good stuff, and there were people were saying they should get rid of Brissett and have Fromm be the number two. Okay, whatever. My, my point is, I, you know, Brissett's a free agent. We don't know what's going to happen next year. Let's take Fromm play. Let, you know, let, let's see. Put Tariq Castro-Fields in a position to play corner. Give Deami Brown more reps. Mitchell Tinsley's been on this team all year. I mean, it, what is the point of having all these guys around if you're not actually going to see them do anything? And, sure, in the course of a normal season, you would be playing for something. Well, we're not there anymore. So, why not play them? I, I like you. Like you need to figure out what your roster has anyway. So, because a lot, I mean, you know, a good chunk of this, of this roster is free agents, 
and won't be back. So why not let them play? And even if it's only one game, it's more than they have right now. So I got into this debate with somebody today who, who uh, actually was last night, who just said to me, I don't understand at, at why they didn't go to Brissett earlier. He beat, uh, you know, he had the better training camp. He beat Sam Howell out. Okay, you want to try Howell, that's fine. But they knew Brissett was better. They should have played him. And I said, that's not how it went over the summer. There was no clear beating out. There was no clear indication that Hal was so much inferior to Brissett. Am I remembering that incorrectly? No, no, no. There was well, I mean, for one, as we know, there was no competition because Hal was given all the reps, every first, first team rep, reps, yeah. other than like two, like two days towards the end, they gave Brissett to some work. But yeah, no, it was all Hal. There was no competition, and Brissett wasn't particularly. Sharp, but you know, as I've come to learn, you know, the more training camps you go through, training camps can be deceptive, right? I mean, Taylor Heineke certainly didn't look the part in training camp, but then when he gets on the field, he's a different guy. We're on the flip side. I think two years in a row, we've all said, "Boy, Cole Turner, looking looking like a possible thing," and then he's, he gets relegated to to to, to minimal duties, um, and and it becomes a non-factor. So you you know, it's hard to say, but no, there was no, there was nothing along those lines. I think the question though is. Like even just from a practical perspective, right? Let's go back here. The, they give Deron Payne the franchise tag, but then they say we need to give him a, a longer-term deal, but partly because he was you know, a very good player. But they they needed to get that franchise tag off the books so they could spend more money this year. And then they go out and give Jacoby Brissett an eight million dollar deal for one year. Then they proceed to not give Jacoby Brissett any chance of actually starting unless Hal's terrible, which to his credit, he wasn't. Couldn't you have just given Jacoby, I don't remember exactly what every one of those Jacoby Brissett type quarterbacks got, but he got the most money. At yeah, eight. Couldn't you have given somebody else like $4 million and then use that $4 million on, I'm making this up, a left guard, uh, another tight end, something else. But like they, they went for the high end of a thing that they were never going to use unless things went terribly wrong. And it's like, well, even that plan is kind of weird, right? If you were really never going to give Jacoby Brissett any shot, what, why did you feel the need to go get a high-end backup? Why not use that money on somewhere else and roll the dice that how it works? You're already rolling that dice that he works and doesn't get hurt, and instead just, you know, give, go, go sign Nick Foles for $2 million or whoever. I can't, I'm blanking on who was, who was there, but you know what I mean? Like even that was kind of a weird part of the whole thing. Well, I think they did that because – as we talked about during the offseason, they were going to give Sam, you know, the chance because they said they were going to give Sam the chance when the season ended and they were trying to deflect attention from the end of the 2022 season. But they didn't have any clue as to whether or not Sam could do it. They liked some things about Sam. They liked his arm. They liked his mobility. They liked him. But they weren't sure. He was a complete unknown. He was a wing and a prayer. And so if the prayer wasn't answered in a big way early, like, oh, my God, no, he's not somebody we can put on the field. They had to have somebody that they could put on the field. Right, but I'm just saying, like, the the Colts having drafted Anthony Richardson fourth, right? Yeah. They they signed Gardner Minshew, who is essentially a Jacoby Brissett-level guy, for $3.5 million. So all I'm saying is – yes. Yeah, Could have done that instead. Right, like even that part of the plan is kind of like, well, wait, if you're really going to commit to this, why not then go something? You know, Baker Mayfield signed but, for $4 million. Obviously, I think he was given a better shot to start in Tampa. But you know what I mean? Like, 
there were other options. You didn't have to give Brissett eight million with no real shot to play him. And I think that, like, whatever. Again, I think Brissett takes you. But I think that in their mind there was a chance, and the chance was if Sam actually couldn't do it. Like, if it was obvious from the jump, yeah, he's not ready. And that's the point that I <clears> – <throat> that, that's what got us into this portion of the conversation. During training camp, during the offseason, unlike the year before, where all of you guys who were out there every day were saying, you know, Wentz doesn't really look that good. You, at no point was it obvious that Sam was not ready, couldn't do it, and Brissett was clearly better. And by the way, in the preseason games, it was the same thing. Sam actually played better in the preseason games for whatever whatever that's worth. Remember how good he was in the Baltimore game, um, you know, in that preseason game. So uh, th- there wasn't a reason to go to Brissett any earlier because he didn't clearly beat him out or Sam didn't clearly lose – his spot. Um, and then the bottom line is it really wasn't until the last four to five games where it was consistently bad. It was sporadically bad, but it wasn't consistently bad until the last month. Sure, sure. And, you know, we, we've talked about this. I, I guess my only point is when you make the determination that Sam Howe is going to effectively be your starter in January, you don't even know, you haven't even signed Brissett, you haven't even hired the enemy yet. What you know? If you're going to do that, then commit to the bit, right? Use the money to patch up your offensive line to protect the young quarterback who's a little smaller in stature. You've talked before about you know, your play is kind of small. You know, wouldn't it have made sense to go out and sign some guard, right, to help protect up the middle, et cetera? Um, do or, or or maybe use more money at center instead of going to Gates, get somebody else, whatever it would be. I'm just saying, commit to the bit. If you're going to do this, then do it. Instead. They, com- they, they say this is going to happen, and then they give the most money to any of the backup quarterbacks that were signed for a guy who uh, – I'm not saying he should have come in earlier, but I'm saying that was sort of the point. You were already rolling the dice that Sam Howe was going to work, so why not just – you know, go, why, why not just spend – you know, if you're in, in the name of winning, bit. spend the money elsewhere. Commit to the bit like it's a skit. Like we got to be committed here. We this is a big <laughs> well, acting I mean, job. We got to we got to commit to. Look, I I think the offense, uh, the the Gardner Minshew thing because he is a good backup is is a is a reasonable answer. And then using that money elsewhere. The big difference there is Gardner like they drafted Anthony Richardson in the in the you know in the top half of in the in the top ten, and their plan was to eventually move to him. I think it. Set and it could have been Minshew for less money, that they needed somebody who could actually play in the event that they found out because they had no idea what to expect, that, that they found out that Sam couldn't. And there was a chance going into this that they were going to learn that Sam couldn't do it. And bottom line is if the schedule had been flipped, as your hypothetical suggested a few weeks ago, um, they would have found out probably earlier rather than later that Sam really wasn't ready and Brissette would have played earlier. With respect to the offensive line, I don't want to keep going down this path because we've gone down it many times going back to you know the offseason. I do think that they wanted to draft an offensive line first and foremost, as Ron would say. I think Darnell Wright was very high on their board and had Darnell Wright slipped to where they picked at 16, that would have been the pick. The other thing about the draft, just for those of the, uh, those people that say, why didn't they draft an offensive lineman at 16? Well, all of the first-round offensive 
offensive linemen, basically the people that thought were top half of the league offensive linemen, were gone by the time Washington selected. You know, the kid from Northwestern, Skronsky, um, the big kid from Georgia who Pittsburgh traded up for, forgetting his name right now, Denton. Um, uh, the Ohio State kid, uh, and, and Darnell Wright. And then with respect to free agency, the players got to want to come here too. And the players that wanted to come here, they, you know, Eric Bieniemy liked his guy Wiley, so they brought him in. And I guess he liked, uh, along with everybody else, Gates. It's not like they completely ignored it in free agency. They just didn't do well with it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, many of the issues of this team over the last four years have come down to uh, player evaluation, who they signed, who they drafted. And so, you know, that first year, I mean, one of the big revelations of 2020 was, wow, look at all the moves they made. J.D. McKissick, Logan Thomas, Ronald Darby. You know, you, you know, like all these guys, like you know, went from like, all right, I guess we'll see. To wow, they're pretty, they're pretty helpful. Rarely was that happening over the remainder of the time. And look, I also know that they were limited with their budget because of the whole right. sale that was happening. Um, all, all that's true. I'm just saying, if you're going to say Sam Howell is the plan in January, then you need to, you know, prop up that plan as best you can. And entering a year with the often injured Sadiq Charles and seventh round pick Chris Paul as your left guard competition. I mean, you know, yeah. and then it played out the way that it played out. It's not Monday morning quarterbacking to think, well, this is how it was going to go. That was, you know, poor. And look, you know, Nick Gates, you know, look, he, he obviously started last year for the Giants. I think he's a, a viable player. It didn't work. They draft Stromberg in the third round. He gets hurt. Um, you know, whatever they did, Brayden Daniels was looking really um, unplayable during the summer. So, they, yeah, they did attempt to do some things. None of the things worked out. I'm, you know, like I said, I, I just feel like if you're going to do this thing, and this goes back to the thing we talked about the other day, do you bench how in the sake of the other 52 guys? You know, I don't think you're thinking of the other 52 guys when you, when you decide to do this thing with how, and then don't help him out to the degree that you, I think you could have with some of the choices um, that they made. Did you need to draft a second defensive back in the first two rounds over, you know, somebody else that could maybe block or whatever. I don't know. Um, by the way, like the, even the, you know, the, the pass rushing thing, right. Part of why this thing has gone down South so much, when they basically have no pass rush anymore after those trades, obviously you're going to lose something when you lose Sweat and Young. But what was the backup? What was the next plan? You figure at least one of those guys was going to be gone. So who's replacing him? You know, I mean, like, there, there, there only has to be a, a plan going forward, and it just felt too many times like it just is either incoherent or, you know, ultimately whatever they did just didn't work. Well, remember that the plan may have been Lucas Van Ness. Remember, we had the, you know, the, the the video tweeted out uh, the conversations between Ron and Mayhew, and they were, you know, they're talking back and forth with the Patriots to try to get to four. They were hoping for one of the linemen to drop scene. And then when they traded, when they were talking about trading up to 14, you know, you, you suggested this, and I, I think you, you're, you're right. The, the player that they probably wanted was Van Ness, and when he was off the board, they stopped talking to New England because he went the pick before. Um, anyway, uh, that's, you know, they didn't do enough to help him. He wasn't helped enough, and at the same time, he wasn't good enough. You know, all of those things are true. 
simultaneously. And in the last four to five weeks, he's been dreadful, period. And that's alarming for anybody that really thought this was a possibility moving forward. So um, I've got a minute here, uh, and I just wanted to ask you about what you wrote about this morning, which is the challenges facing Josh Harris in pursuing the new general manager. So what are the challenges for him uh, as we're a few weeks away from perhaps starting to get news, maybe less than a few weeks away? Yeah, I mean, the story is really about how you know, obviously we've talked for weeks about how Josh Harris has been, you know, they're, they're exploring all their options, not, not necessarily, you know, whether Rivera would stay or not, what's available to them out there. What could they look at? Who's a, what coaches or GMs could they possibly get if they make changes? And obviously it's going both ways. Now, everybody else on the outside is wondering what is up with Washington? What is their plan? And, you know, it, it's not so much like there's like massive negatives. Although one, one person was talking about how, um, you know, the whole like stadium and facilities is a bit of a downer right now. If you're, if you're trying to come in and turn things around, you have to work within that. But, uh, you know, I think they're trying to figure out, you know, what is exactly his plan? Sure, it's analytics. How hard is it going to go? Does he not going to want people who have, who are, you know, sort of baseline uh, talent evaluators? Or is he going to go hardcore um, with the numbers guys? And I think that people are just trying to figure that out. But so far, so good on the impression he's making. And that's kind of what a lot of the story is about, just trying to get a feel from the outside as to how they're seeing what Josh Harris is up to, what they think of the organization now, and where this might go. All right, quickly, 49ers, Washington, because you do this, it's a tradition. Ben's prediction on this show on Friday. Uh, I mean, uh, I think I think one game I said it was going to be like 38 to 10 or this year, and I think it was pretty close to that. So something along those lines. I mean, San Fran coming off that bad loss, boy, they're going to want to come out. Um uh, you know, I'm not so much worried about the former commanders or Washington players, I should say, coming back here. But, uh, yeah, like 40 to 12 or something to that effect. All right. Talk to you on Monday. Thanks. All right, actually, I won't yeah. talk to you on Monday. Talk to you by the uh, middle of next week. Happy New Year. Thanks for all you've done for the show this year. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Happy holidays. At Ben Standing on Twitter. Temperatures are going to start dropping rapidly next couple of weeks. It'll turn bone-chillingly cold outside, and energy costs are on the rise. If you've got old drafty windows, your furnace is working harder than ever to keep your family warm. Why pay unnecessarily high energy bills when Window Nation can help you keep your family warm all season long? Window Nation's energy-efficient windows are specifically designed for climate change and will keep the cold air while lowering your monthly energy cost by up to 30%. Speaking of savings, this month only, Window Nation's offering 0% interest for five years. That's 60 months interest-free, plus you get 50% off all windows, any style. Now's the time to protect your family from the elements, lower your energy costs, upgrade the look and feel of your home. Call Window Nation today to get 0% interest for five years, plus 50% off all style windows. Offers only good this month. All right, call the company. Over 200,000 families trust with their home, including yours truly. Window Nation, 866-90-NATION, windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device, credit, service, ported, 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Got some good games this weekend. Our game, not one of them, but uh, Lions-Cowboys Saturday night. Denton, looking forward to that. The Cowboys have been rolling at home. Uh, but the Lions, you know, I was thinking about the Lions, and I gave them out as a smell test pick. You know, they they crushed the Broncos and they beat the Vikings in a tight game to clinch their first division title since 1991. But let's not forget that a couple of weeks ago they lost to the Bears pretty big on the road. They were lucky to hold on to beat the Saints. They lost to the Packers on Thanksgiving Day. They've gotten back on track with wins over the Broncos and the Vikings because defensively, it's not what they were earlier in the season. This could be a shootout. I think it's the highest over-under of the season at 54 on Saturday night. Um, 53 and a half, something like that. Uh, looking forward to that game on Saturday night, Dallas and Detroit. I'm really thrilled with the um, the Las Vegas indie matchup. Like I know that's one that doesn't exactly jump off the page for most people, Kevin, but both these teams still very much mathematically alive for the postseason. And while I don't think Vegas is good necessarily, the story with Antonio Pierce and the way he's completely turned that franchise's trajectory around has been a lot of fun to watch. I think there's some re- that game could end up being really, really fun. And look, if Indianapolis wins, they're nine and seven. And I know the AFC is well, a really Well, they control good their own destiny. Right. They, they, they control it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Raiders need to win this game, and then they'll need other things to happen uh, for sure. But I like the Raiders story, too. I talked about this earlier this week. I, I mean, Cooley mentioned to me, he called me three weeks ago after one of the earlier, maybe a month ago, after one of the first Antonio Pierce games after he took over for Josh McDaniel, and he just said, just write this one down or remember it. Antonio Pierce is going to get that job. And I said, why? And he said, one of the smartest teammates, one of the most natural leaders that he played with. And they've responded to him. Uh, I I think he's got a chance to get that job. And it would actually be really cool if somehow they ran the table and made the postseason. I kind of hope he doesn't get that job and he comes here. If we're being honest, I think he's done a really good job. That would be great. I just think they're going to hire an offensive guy. I think they're going to hire the next young hot offensive guy, or try to anyway, Slowick, Johnson, somebody like that. Um, 
Um, that that game's an interesting game too. I I agree. I mean, the game of of, of the weekend in the NFL is Dolphins Ravens at one o'clock. I said this earlier in the week. This should have been a game flexed. They should have flipped the Bengals Chiefs at four twenty-five with the Dolphins Ravens, so that the entire country could watch this game uh, on in in the CBS doubleheader window. I'm not sure why they did didn't do that. I mean, I guess it's just you know having Mahomes in this spot is you know is still money for uh, for CBS. But man, Dolphins Ravens a week after it was Ravens. And, and 49ers. Um, this one's going to decide, for all intents and purposes, the one seed in the AFC playoffs. Now, there's still a chance um, with Miami. Uh, no, Miami needs to lose this. Excuse me. This is going to decide, really, more likely than not, the one seed, although Miami still finishes up with Buffalo, and Buffalo may need to win that game in the season finale. I'm, thr- I'm excited for that game, obviously, as, as everyone is. I'm really... I'm curious about how Jacksonville is going to play against Carolina. I've been huge on Jacksonville. I'm less huge on them now. If you remember, there were a couple weeks during the midpoint of the season where I constantly had them in my top five of the power rankings. They've been a disaster ever since. Carolina's not very good. They haven't been playing very good. If Jacksonville wins, they kind of at least somewhat right the ship a little bit, and then they're in the driver's seat for their division. But if Carolina wins, all of a sudden, our team is a little closer potentially to getting the number one overall draft pick. So, that's a, that's one game to be at least slightly invested in this weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what the, the condition of, of Trevor Lawrence is. And who is it? C.J. Beathard is the backup there? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, huge game. Saints-Bucks in the NFC South. I mean, right now that division, the Bucks control their own destiny. Um, they're 8-7 and seven with the Falcons and Saints both at 7-8. and eight. They close with the Saints and the Panthers. So this is the game that they would have to lose probably if they're going to uh, if they're if they're not going to win the division, if Atlanta or New Orleans is going to have uh, a shot, and I would say this: if the Bucks win this division, um, they're not going to be an easy out in round one for the Cowboys. Um, the, the, this will be unlike last year, where Brady was faltering, the team was faltering. This is a team playing very well right now, with a quarterback playing at a very high level right now, and Baker Mayfield, the highest level of his career. It's a well-coached team. They've got good players. I don't think they can make a deep, deep run in the NFC, not suggesting that. But if they are the host on wild card weekend against the Cowboys, they could win that game. They could definitely beat Dallas, given Dallas's struggles on the road. And you could end up with like Tampa, San Francisco, Detroit Philly kind of a you know a divisional round where I think everybody's expecting the Cowboys to be there. I think the Cowboys would rather play the Falcons or the Saints in that in that four or five if that's where they end up. Um, but that's that's a big big game uh, on the uh, in the one o'clock window. The Rams will try to keep it rolling. I think that's a bit of a tricky spot for them. And then I'm interested to see what the Steelers do in Seattle after the the impressive game that Mason Rudolph played and the offense that they generated against Cincinnati last week. Huge game for both teams, Steelers and the Seahawks. I have one college one for you. It's tonight, Mizzou, Ohio State. Missouri's playing a lot of their guys. I think Cody Schrader's going to go. Luther Burton III's going to go. Brady Cook, I believe, is going as well. That's going to be a fun one. That's a team that's not having a lot of opt-outs, too. Who's quarterbacking for the Buckeyes? I believe it'll be Devin Brown, the guy that wears okay. 33 for Sammy Ball. 
Yeah. Um, I kind of like Missouri tonight. Love Cody Schrader. He had such a great year. Uh, they had a great season. I mean, Missouri lost two games this year. They lost a shootout against LSU, and they lost a game in which they were the most competitive team for Georgia in Athens this year. Uh, and they were right there in that game. Um, hell of a season. I mean, they had good wins. They had blowout wins over decent teams. I think Missouri can win that, that game tonight. Um, let's get to the semifinal games on New Year's night. Yeah, I've, I've made my feelings clear. I really like Texas overall uh, in, in this Final Four. I think they're going to beat Washington, and then I think they would have a really good chance against Michigan or Bama in the championship game. I think they're a complete team playing well right now, much better defensively. That D-line is nasty. Um, they have so many big-time playmakers. I like Texas. Looking forward to that game. Michigan-Alabama first in the Rose Bowl, um, and I kind of like Michigan to win that game. I think Bama's been, you know, I think Bama's good, but we, we know they were a fourth and 31 away from not being anywhere near here. So we are in line on one of the matchups, and this is going to – I feel bad saying this. I think we – if it doesn't end up this way, we're going to get crushed. I'm leaning Michigan as well. So the two of us are leaning Michigan. It feels stupid to bet against Alabama, but I really love this Michigan team. I'm the opposite way in the second one. I would love to see Texas win, but Kalen DeBoer has been an underdog four times in his career at Washington. He's unbeaten in those games. So I think Washington is going to get it done. Should be two great games. Uh, We'll be back to finish up with our final Washington pick of 2023. We'll give you a score for Sunday's game. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, thanks for all of your support and thanks to all of you who've listened um, during the course of the year. Have a great weekend. Uh, Happy New Year. Our final pick of a Washington game in 2023. We'll have our first in 2024 next week. Uh, Denton, I've got Washington losing the game. 35 to 23. That would be a cover for Washington. And I've got Jacoby Brissett throwing two touchdown passes, but also being picked twice in the game. What do you got? I got them losing 42 to 20. I don't think it'll be as close. Doc's next. Have a great weekend. Back after the first of the year. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 